Hello and welcome to Humans After All, a podcast exploring the impact of meaningful relationship at work, online or remote. Published by Doozy, of course, space for everything social at work. Have a good time! Hello everybody and welcome to a new edition of Humans After All. We are very glad today to welcome Mehdi, Mehdi who is the co-founder and CEO of a brilliant startup called Save Your Wardrobe and Mehdi is also a venture partner at Ample. Welcome Mehdi. Hi Chloe, thank you so much for the invite. I'm really excited to chat with you today about culture. That's something that I really care about, so really looking forward to it. Absolutely, and uh, I do know you care about it because we spoke about it many times and you're one of the the best people I know with the best ideas uh, and also a CTO that is very, very keen to make it work for everybody. Um, ideas maybe, best, I'm not sure yet. Let's see. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Well, you have a very interesting story because while being the CTO at Save Your Wardrobe, you actually have to manage teams in different locations. Yeah. Before we just deep dive into that, can you tell us a bit more about um, your background and also the story uh, behind Save Your Wardrobe? Yeah, sure. So um, so I'm Eddie Dogri. I'm the co-founder and CTO, like Chloe said, of Save Your Wardrobe. But, you know, my background is in technology. I've done 15 years in tech, like in, you know, consultancy first as a solution architect for blue chip companies in France. Then I was actually the CTO of a mobile agency in Toulouse, in south of France, where I've managed, you know, the delivery and the deployment of, you know, mobile apps, B2C, B2B, in the big boom of mobile apps when the first iPhone and the first App Store was released in the 2010-ish. And um, I've jumped then in the startup world in um, with the first startup name Adaptive, where we actually digitized newspaper and magazines for the airline and hospitality industry in general. So it was an amazing experience on how... We scaled basically a startup from employee number one that I was to, uh, you know, more than 10 employees, uh, like millions of revenues and, you know, uh, international scale, you know, project with uh, with huge airlines and, you know, huge clients. Moved to London with them and decided then to actually switch um, career and actually join a big bank like Barclays. I was really interested by what's ha what has happening on the fintech side, you know, at that time. And, you know, um, open banking was actually triggered, you know, Monzo, Revolut, Transferwise, all those guys were actually kicking off in London. And for once, instead of being on the startup seat, I was more on the corporate side, you know, the one with the money, where I had like, you know, the, the chance to work with teams where we could deliver, you know, digital experiences for our business customers and really look at partnership with startups. So that's how um, I've started my career more in product management as a product direct, director at Barclays. And um, as any entrepreneur will tell you, you know, you know, entrepreneurship is never far, even if sometimes, you know, you go back and forth with corporate, you know, experiences to deliver some big project at scale. And um, in this case, you know, it's uh, Hafner that, you know, my co-founder and also wife that was basically super uh, excited about that idea of Save Your Wardrobe. I'll tell you more in the second that convinced me to join. And I was really actually convinced that there is a problem in the fashion industry from a sustainability point of view. And I left back Barclays uh, for that. So to, that was in 2019. So to give an idea of what Save Your Wardrobe is, so we're trying really to help people reconnect with the content of their wardrobe and help them extend the life of their garments. So how can we use technology to basically help someone digitize their wardrobe, reconnect with what they have, and have ideas on how they can take care of their clothes, or actually when it's time to discard it, have like a sustainable solution to do it. So um, 
sounds like a lot fashion and for fashionista, but actually that's something for everyone. I hope that everyone is wearing clothes in the morning and, you know, that's something that everyone can use. <laughs> and I hope that everyone is thinking about, you know, how they can repair, for example, their shoes if they wear shoes <laughs> before putting it in the bin if there is any problem. And we're trying to solve that. How actually in a world where, you know, you have Netflix on the one side, you know, Spotify on the other side, Uber, Deliveroo and all of that, where everything is actually streamlined and make, made easy. Why actually the only thing we have on the fashion side that is easy is actually to order something from a fast fashion store where you're going to receive it for free or return it for free. So it's all about consumerism and not about, you know, how you care about them and how you care about yourself. So that's what we do at Save Your Wardrobe. That is uh, such a brilliant idea. To be honest, I, I wonder why there is not a, a million people doing that already. So necessary uh, in our day and times, especially I'm guessing after this wake up call that we all yes. had uh, going through the pandemic. Um, okay, awesome. Thanks for this presentation. So um, a mix of, you know, like a startup experience and corporate experience and going back to your own startup. Um, What do you think about culture and what is for you a good implementation of it? So it all depends on the size of the company. So I think, you know, for our audience here, I hope that it's more the startup side that they're interested in. But uh, I might actually start with just, you know, one thing we discussed, you know, earlier with you, Chloe, about, you know, my experience as well at Barclays. What for me is a culture is when you're actually so passionate about, you know, a company where you work with that you're also passionate about their customer and really uh, feel like uh, that anything you do, like in your day job, have an impact on the whole company and the whole, uh, you know, the whole um, the customers of the company. You know, something that for I'm going to try to give a definition for me, you know, by using actually more like the opposite of it. You know, a company that doesn't have a strong culture for me is when they you have like one headquarter that basically leads and drive everything. And have like, uh, you know, then subsidiaries that are just here to be tech uh, services and tech centers that are here just to deliver something. For me, you know, from um, the support person to the DevOps person to the engineer to the product people to the business people to the CEO, everyone should feel actually completely empowered to change, you know, the destiny of that company. And that's what a strong culture is for me. Everyone should feel empowered to change the destiny of a company. I, I absolutely love that. Um, so do you have, uh, do you have ways to do that? You know, like you have set up your own startup recently. Uh, you have, uh, at least, uh, a few people working for you. What do you do on a day to day basis to, um, actually create a good culture? It's a, it's a tough question because, you know, I have to answer it like in two parts. You know, what I was planning to do before COVID and what I'm, go I'm doing now. <laughs> and uh, as you know, like things have changed, you know, in the last uh, couple of years, you know, like uh, I was really keen, you know, when I've... Uh, Only a little. Yes, just a little. <laughs> But when I, we've started with Hasna, really, we really had like a list of stuff we don't want to do. Like, you know, I think with our past experiences, both of us, we knew that, you know, we'll never do that, you know, to our employees or we'll never do that. You know, we'll never make them feel that they're just like, you know, a number in the company. We'll make them, never make them feel. And we started more with the list of stuff we don't want to do, you know, stuff we've seen, you know, with our previous employers, stuff we've seen with colleagues and all of that or with friends working in company. So that was more our not to do list of stuff, mm. you know, we shouldn't do in the company that, you know, keep us, you know, like true to our words. That was the first thing. And then, you know, we wanted to see, you know, how we can actually empower uh, teams to feel like, like I said, you know, like that they have the destiny of the company as well in their, their hands and everything they do, even if like any small line of codes or any small call with a client and all that can actually change the destiny of everyone's in the company. 
And to do that, we wanted from day one, um, first to have like, you know, a team in Tunisia. Um, that was important for us, not just for cost reason, um, but just because Hassan and I are from Tunisia and we wanted to give back. So we wanted to make sure that, you know, everything we're learning in London, we're learning in Europe and all of that, we can benefit as well, you know, people in Tunisia, that they have access to that global market as well, and that they understand and that they, they don't need to leave Tunisia to get, uh, get, uh, get access to that. In a world where now we're completely digital, completely remote working. And uh, so from day one, we wanted the team in Tunisia to have the same culture as the team in London, as the team now in Germany. And I would say that as the team in, uh, in every country, as we are now based in five or six countries, because of you know some of our employees like you know with the covid um, went back home and things like that so that's what we we wanted to start and then you know the covid happened and you know one thing that was is very important for me from a culture point of view is that everyone have access to the founders that you know we we're not just see something uh, that are just the one that you know shine on tv on radio sharing the vision of the company that we are people that you know are here also to empower everyone to actually make decision but also help them you know with their career what i love to say also from a culture point of view is like we don't want the company to feel like um, a sect, if you know what I mean. Like, you know, we, mm-hmm. we, we don't want people to feel like, you know, we are, we're gurus and they need to follow us and, you know, there is no life after Save Your Wardrobe. You know, what I say to every employees and every person I hire is like, if you've joined the company, is because you believe in what we're trying to deliver together. We believe in what we can solve for our customers and uh, and you want to do it with us. And I want to learn from you and you need to learn from me as well. And at some point, that will happen. And we discuss it from the beginning. You know, Save Your Water won't be for you anymore. Or it won't be for me anymore. You know, you, you never know. Yeah. And I'm here to help you just uh, during that journey to have like the best experience ever that you can actually really use for your next, you know, your next experience. That's w- w- what I'm about. And for me, a culture is that, you know, knowing that for the time you're going to be in that company or working with those people, you're going to really enjoy, you're going to learn and you're going to be able, you know, to do something that have an impact. And, you know, that's really what we're trying to do on a day-to-day basis. And if you want to get a little bit more in the details of, you know, stuff then that we try to do with the team uh, in Tunis, in London, to try to, you know, fill uh, yeah, them up out. Absolutely. You you have those wonderful ideas, you know, like, uh, let's go into details and tell us about how you're trying to move the needle and to make everybody feel included. So the utopia first, you know, before the COVID, <laughs> we want to at least you know, meet every six months, for example, in one of the countries, you know, maybe by starting as we're a startup, you know, we have a limited fund. We wanted to bring the team that we have in Europe in Tunis at least, you know, once a year minimum or maybe twice. So we can actually all meet together, have, you know, some nice team building experiences together and really feel that we're all at the same level. And, you know, in the future, we had plans also to, you know, to go somewhere together. It could be Malta, it could be like, you know, Lisbon and really to meet regularly. But the COVID happened, you know, like that part was almost not feasible anymore. And even if you want to make it happen right now, as you know, borders are open again, it's very hard, even now from a cost point of view, you know, everything has increased because of, you know, all the PCR tests, all the, you know, the, the form mm-hmm. we need to do. So for a company that doesn't have any PA or, you know, office manager, which means that we need to manage all of that by ourselves, it's because become almost, I mean, not possible. So then we had to actually like, you know, you know, switch to unfortunately like remote team building, you know, how you actually then, you know, deliver an experience of fun and inclusivity, like and completely inclusive on Zoom. To honest, that's the challenge I was facing, as you know, like, you know, during the COVID, how can I actually feel them completely um, included in the culture? And when I say included, everyone, like, and I had people based in Greece and in Tunisia, when actually the only thing I have as, as a playground is Zoom. So I remember at that time, even if I was super busy with the delivery of the, the project we were working on, I've done actually, I spent hours 
searching for piece of articles on Miro, on other, you know, websites to see, you know, what type of game can I do? What type of stuff? I've even listened for feedback from teachers, because as you know, that they're the ones that were actually facing the more challenging, you know, like when schools were closed, everyone was actually at home, the kids, especially the pebbles. You know, when they had actually those same teacher that rely most of the time on that physical contact to actually entertain and, and excite, you know, uh, their, their students uh, had to find ways. And, you know, so, so some stuff I've done, for example, is um, I haven't applied it to every call, but I've tried to is playing with the mic and playing with the video to try to wake up people. You know, you have that, that thing <laughs> I hate when you actually start the meeting first, you know, to try to do that ice breaking exercise. So you have games that you can use and all that. I think one basic one that I've actually heard from a teacher was, you know, when you start and you're in front of that black screen of people with their cam off, that is to be honest for someone that is in a hostel session, not stressful, but depressing, I would say. <laughs> of, yeah, you know, no one, it's pretty know, difficult. Really <laughs> difficult. You know, I think playing, you know, having a list of funny questions and instead of asking them to answer, playing with the mic or the video to switch it on on off, depending on if you accept, if you want to say yes or no, make the whole exercise a little bit, you know, more funny and all of that. That's, you know, a few tricks to make that, you know, team building slash, you know, hands-on, you know, call a little bit more funny. And then I've tried with, with both tools, you know, so one of the tools we use like is um, the one where you have a QR code and you can actually do, you know, live survey during the, 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 the meeting. And it took me, I think, you know, almost at some point two days to prepare for that hands-on. Well, I basically, you know, ask everyone also to do exactly what we do sometimes, you know, games to know each other. Because, you know, during the COVID, we've hired more than 15 people. Most of them, oh. I haven't met them. <laughs> when I say most of them, it's actually all of them. I haven't met them, like, you know, physically. So even if you have Google Meets and one-to-one -one with them and even want to chat, you know, informally, I needed to know a little bit better. We need to know each other a little bit more, you know. So we've done, you know, quizzes. We've we've asked them for a picture for them in their childhood and we've tried to ask people to guess. And all of that was in the middle of actually business updates and things like that. And it was with everyone in the team. So everyone was aware on how much we were raising. Everyone was aware on the type of clients we were getting and not just the partnership and client teams. And everyone uh, had also, you know, in the quizzes, um, some question where they can actually answer about, you know, what do they think we should build next? You know, what's the most painful thing they're actually having in their company at the moment? And we even done like at the end of the meeting, um, or the session, like, you know, an anonymous survey for them to, to be more comfortable to share stuff they don't like. And um, what's funny is like, even if the survey was anonymous, everyone was comfortable to say it out loud. And, you know, for me, that was the best sign that the session, um, mm. they feel empowered, if you know what I mean, again, you know, like they, they didn't feel like, you know, they know that, you know, everything they will say is going to be used to improve uh, the culture and not just here to, to actually, you know, make their life uh, hell in a way. That makes a lot of sense. Um, it's funny, there are so many things I wanted to bounce back on in what you said, but I guess the main one is you said you were leading the social activities in the middle of a business meeting. And that's very interesting because we face a problem now that we are working mainly online still, despite uh, plenty of people going back to work. We face a problem where there is no allocated time towards social activities. And still the question, you're like, is it really working if I'm just having a chat with my colleague about what they've been doing yeah. on the weekend? Should I be allocating this time? I feel guilty because I'm not working directly on my project. No, but that's very interesting that you've actually went even further than uh, just allowing people to, 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 to take the time to do social. You've put it in the middle of your business updates. It was in the agenda. And, you know, we wanted to, uh, it, uh, it, of course, there is two sides of it. First side was to try to get a break as well for them to digest mm. you know, all the information we had to share. 
but the other side also is like if I was there with them physically we would have done that at the end of the session you know and I can't you know and I can't keep them for three hours on a zoom meeting so we had to find you know short games um, and stuff that will keep us entertained and you know that will just We'll just, you know, remember when we leave the meeting on the top of the business updates and they have access to the deck to, to look back at the at the business updates. Something else, you know, I've heard from um, uh, actually a client uh, that was sharing that uh, what she does with um, on her stand-ups at the moment. I think every morning on the stand-up, there is at the end of the session or at the end of each section in the stand-up, I think they have, a, I would say, you know, a big meeting. They have every, one person that will share something funny about his background or something like that. And so I, I love the idea and I thought I might implement it. It means that it wasn't like just, you know, every two months or every three months when you do a big session and you try to think about a team building exercise. It was embedded in the daily stand-ups almost to try to, um, I think it was more potentially the weekly meetings, but, you know, where you, know, you had someone that will say, you know, she had like someone describe, you know, one dish that he got, you know, from the family that he loves, you know, someone else actually explaining a hobby that he got. And you, you then, you know, learning about your colleagues a little bit every day, uh, a little bit like it will happen if you have like, you know, that coffee break that we all talk about, you know, that potentially walk to go to mm-hmm. buy some sushis to the, you know, the closest sushi at lunchtime. All those stuff that unfortunately right now, we, we don't know that uh, that well anymore. I know what you mean. Um, so do you have a way to understand what the success of what you've put in place because you are uh, you're a rare uh, leader willing to commit the extra time to organizing things that will definitely uh, uh, bring your team together but do you have a way to measure the effectiveness of what you're putting in place to be honest not um, not really i mean not at least scientifically you know like the um, how do i capture the temperature i don't use you know like those type of surveys where you can send that you know like to have you know, type of you know, temperature check for your team because to be honest, I don't think I'm, I'm trained to be able to either create them or, or even to actually read them. Who is? Yeah, <laughs> if you know what I mean. Yeah, so it's um, so I'm like, you know, I'm going to put them just for the sake of doing them. Even if I've received them before as a manager, I've received them before as, an, as, a, as a team member, you know. And uh, I think, you know, until you have an HR team that have done you know, studies specifically on that and can help you understand them, it's uh, for me that that's a bit overwhelming, I think. But, you know, what's important for me is I have a one-to-one uh, with every team member in the team. So um, once a month, I have like, you know, a, a half an hour call that is specifically a non-business call. If it was pre-COVID, that would have been a coffee, uh, you know, coffee stop, like, you know, a coffee, sh- I mean, a coffee discussion with, a, with that colleague, a walk next to the office and all that. And that's where, you know, I want to chat about their career. I want to chat about, you know, even if they're not direct reports that they can actually ask me any question about the company. I have, you know, sometimes people asking me, you know, questions about the client. And that's where, to answer your question, I actually also try to get that temper check, you know, to say, and, and most of the time you have that feedback of, I love the session, by the way, and it's amazing what you've done last time. You know, that's the first time I'm in a company that do that or do that. And then, you know, when I have those feedback, I'm like, okay, we're in the right direction. It's not, we're not done, but we're in the right direction. When I don't have any feedback and, you know, they're like, no, all good, so it's fine. I'm like, okay, that's bad. <laughs> so it means like if they haven't mm. realized anything we're doing, etc., we're just in that neutral uh, space, uh, then maybe I should do more, you know. And for me, neutral is not good enough, if you know what I mean. Like they need to be um, excited about what's happening and feel like they, they're, some, they're, specials, they're special in the team. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, couldn't agree more. It goes back to your notion of uh, empowering people you work with, regardless of the, your, their location. Yeah. 
Um, so going back on location, you've touched upon a few times on the fact that, you know, like it has changed quite a lot before, despite the fact that you were already working across borders, yeah. you will still rely quite a bit on uh, physical meetings. Yes. Now, do you, I imagine that you have those online. Yeah. Do you think uh, you found a way to make them work or do you still create physical uh, touch points? I think, you know, something I wasn't able to, to fix yet is like, you know, because of COVID is like, you know, when I wanted the culture to be completely global, um, I need to then have like, I would say a subculture locally um, or by building, you know, some team building now because we can't travel anymore that are just for community events for the team in London, community events, you know, for the team in, in Tunis and uh, and relying on the senior manager in both teams to make sure, you know, they they do stuff for their teams physically. As you know, whatever you do, and I think, you know, that's a point I want to touch on is like, you know, we are a startup where, you know, um, I'm 37, I'm the oldest guy in the company. Like, uh, you know, that's... Congrats. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> you know, I'm the elderly, like, you know, I feel old. So, which means that all the hiring we've done, you know, like, um, I don't have the average age um, in front of me, but, you know, we're around 23 to 24. Like, you know, like, you know, I think that's uh, 80% of the company is around 25. Um, uh, that's that's uh, the age. And for most of them, and that's an interesting one, for most of them, the first experience they're having is actually during the COVID. So the, the challenge I'm getting, actually, it's um, it's uh, it's some time to actually get people out of their home. It's like, you know, I have basically, you know, um, young um, engineers and young, you know, product people and all that that started with Save Your Wardrobe during the COVID. So they never had an office experience or maybe, you know, like just a week or so, like, you know, for some internship. And then now when you actually ask them, we should meet to have like, you know, lunch together and, you know, chat about other stuff. They don't know how to do that. And sometimes I would even say they don't want to do it. Like, you know, if, if uh, you don't imagine how many times uh, I've actually tried to do some um, uh, some more like, you know, lunch events or breakfast event in London and basically had to stop sometimes just because, you know, uh, people uh, either won't feel comfortable and that's, uh, that's okay, of course, because of the COVID situation or, you know, people are not available or don't see actually, I think, you know, how important it is where... When I do it in Tunis, where most of the people have started before the COVID and mm -hmm. have worked in an office environment, they're always in, you know, for a karting experience, you know, go do a laser quest and then have, you know, some uh, some burgers and stuff like that because they, they know that's the part that, you know, create that bonding between the team that basically help you as well, you know, go through the um, the tough situation uh, uh, in, uh, easier, like in an easy way. So that's my challenge at the moment. I still rely on physical events, but I had to manage, you know, those differences between the different locations. That's absolutely fascinating what you just said. It's true that there is a whole generation that started work in the middle of the pandemic. You know, like, can you imagine the impact it has on how you shape your own uh, career right now, your own exactly. future desires for your career? It's going to feel fairly weird to go to the office. Uh, uh, if we ever go back uh, full time to the office, uh, um, if, yeah. If I may, it's a but good I'm point. Guessing... Yeah, I mean, uh, like we don't have the office anymore, like in London, right? Just because you know, to be honest, when I see that, just if meeting for breakfast or lunch is already painful for them, like you know, why I'm gonna go pay as a startup, you know, for an office space, and I might have to force it at some point with some logic of flexible working and maybe meeting in like one or two days in the week, you know, there. Because they don't see, and you know, it's it's funny, you know, I'm I'm gonna quote her without giving her the name, but I remember I've done a business trip with one of my colleagues like recently in um, in in Germany, 
And um, I think, you know, she felt good leaving her home, actually. She felt good not having Google Meets every day. She felt good not, you know, uh, because I think that they've, they've started, like you said, in an environment that is hyper-productive. You know, it, especially in, at the startup pace, when you don't have to commute anymore, you don't have to do lunch break almost every day anymore. You don't have to do chit chat with your colleagues anymore. Uh, you basically have, you know, from nine ish to to six, uh, like you know, Google meets the whole day, and you you feel super efficient. And then you know, for you going to the office feels like you're not efficient. But when she, she was forced in a way to actually leave the uh, her laptop and uh, go on a business trip to go meet clients and you know do more stuff, she felt good. And, you know, how do I help them, you know, realize that they will feel good when they stop working is, is, is funny enough at the times I have as, as a manager. I'm guessing so. And it's funny, this notion of hyper-productivity is really um, a, a, a very important notion here because for some of us, the old, uh, yes. <laughs> the old part of this uh, population, we discover hyper-productivity like... Um, we almost didn't experience this. I'm always very surprised myself. I'm, uh, the time I used to commute, I'm actually allocating towards work. And also, no more open office with 300, 400, exactly. 500 people in the meantime. I'm actually able to deep dive into my tasks without being distracted, which means that I deliver faster, better quality work. So I, no wonder why this younger population don't see the point of actually going to the office just to go to the office. But you said it, going to meet people for specific purposes, we still absolutely need that. Um, and you said it at the very beginning of this podcast as well. Going to meet the team for social specific events is also very important. But going to the office just for the uh, benefit of uh, being in another space, this is in question at the moment. And um, that just makes a lot of sense. Exactly. Um, okay, cool. So... We have a few minutes left. Do you have any tools that you could mention? Because we're trying to make this podcast as actionable as possible for our listeners so that, you know, like if they want to improve their culture or start designing their culture, um, how could they do that? Do you use any tool, any framework that you could share with our listeners? Uh, so I don't use any specific tool right now, to be honest. I've used try to start using some tools like you know for team building and um, I haven't actually done you know anything else yet you know like you know I've tried to use you know some slack apps that allow you you know to, to try to you know to do some like donuts and all that but you know I find them so expensive and uh, you know for mm -hmm. the for the purpose of them and to be honest like you know I think you know we don't have the time I would love you know to be able to do it um, all by myself but it's uh, it's very hard so Um, uh, basically, you know, try now to actually find some tools. And I know that you're building an amazing tool that would love to start, you know, testing at scale. Uh, but, you know, I don't have the answer yet. <laughs> Shameless plug towards Doozy here. <laughs> yes, it's uh, going to be very soon available. Um, but uh, I hear what you mean. There is a lack of tool in that space uh, that is really not helpful. Just because it's a space that is uh, almost entirely new. Uh, last super quick question. What do you think is the role of play at work? Playing at work? Uh, I mean, to be honest, I've started my career where I was in consultancy. Uh, one of the first things I've done was to try to organize, you know, 
um, football events with uh, with my colleagues. And I remember at that time, you know, the director in the consultancy in Toulouse told me, "Are you the one organizing like those football events and all that? You know, I'll give you money. Keep doing them. You know, they're amazing. Like that. That's great. You know, that's great that the people actually you know play together. And I was, by the way, you know, that was <laughs> I had like one year of experience only. I was 22 and I've done that. And it was just because for me, you know, colleagues are a little bit more than just colleagues. It's actually people, you know, spend time, you know, the whole day with and that people I want to know and people I want to actually, you know, also have fun with. And that um, then when you know them better in those situations, where in the tricky situation, you know, you have your support. You know, I, I come from, you know, uh, sports, you know, I've done like, you know, almost 12 years of rugby before. And, you know, for me, I apply the exactly same thing that uh, uh, that I, I was doing on the field, you know, with my teammates and all of that. You know, we basically, you know, have fun together and we basically take also, you know, kicks together. Like, you know, we, we take hits together and we protect each other, you know, in, on the field. It's the same thing for me. Look, that's why, you know, for me, playing is super important. That's why when I say, you know, trying to do some games together when we can, we even had like, you know, I remember in my previous, you know, uh, job, like sometimes like a pool, uh, not a pool, like, you know, pool table um, and, uh, mm-hmm. and basically, you know, some things like that. Just those small stuff to be able to play. I hope that at some point I'll be able to put it more like in our company. What I try to do at this moment is like as we can't afford, you know, having those amazing offices that you will see, you know, for a startup with all those games and stuff like that. We add additional events. We try to play some games, you know, when we do those team buildings. And I try to actually make sometimes, you know, even weekly meetings a little bit fun with some kind of, you know, not karaoke, but, you know, some guessing of musics and things like that, you know, to make it fun. But to be honest, what is a bit frustrating is like, you know, especially like uh, we've discussed several times, like doing that remotely right now means it takes you a lot of time to do it. And I would love to be able to have like a tool that basically helped me create that naturally where everyone can actually play together and learn from each other without me, you know, breaking my bank account uh, on the business side. And, um, and at the same time, keep doing, you know, the physical events, but having something a little bit more streamlined for the day to day that people, you know, can actually, you know, play together without thinking that they need to switch off the screen if their boss comes, you know, if you know what I mean. I know exactly what you mean. And I'm also guessing that uh, you would love for this tool to allow those people to self-organize so that it doesn't rely exactly. on uh, your input, only your input. Amazing. Maybe we are out of time. I wish we had more time because I feel this conversation could go on for ages. But thank you so much for all of thank your answers. You. We are going to keep one thing specifically i think from this which is uh everyone in a company should feel empowered to make decisions and to think that they love uh that's one uh quote that combined from two of your quotes but i think that's very important and that's really how you get the best out of people uh to to create the best companies thank you so much chloe thank you so much for the invite i wish you all the best actually with that you know i'm really glad that people talk about this subject and try to help managers like me you know to find some solutions so i wish you also Best of luck uh, in this uh, this journey. Thank you very much, Mehdi. Take care and speak soon. Speak soon. Bye. 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 That was humans after all, presented by Doozy. Thank you so much for being with us, and see you next time.